Welcome back to another episode of Journey of a Fearless Female. I'm your host, Paola Rosser, and Jenny Joy will be with us next week. Today, I'm going to tell you all about my love story. For those of you who haven't listened to my episodes of my journey, I promised you guys that I was going to tell you about my love story because that's the part of the journey that I'm in right now in my life is I'm living the best love story any Hallmark channel could possibly promote. Now, I'm not doing this so that I can brag. And I'm not doing this to rub it in anyone's face. For those of you who are single, I'm actually doing it so that I can give you hope. For those of you who are single and are out there and you're thinking, man, the years are ticking by and I'm going to be forever single, I was you. In 2013, I was 33 years old. I was single for about seven years. I dated off and on with different guys, but there was nobody that was sticking. There was nobody that was permanent. So by 2013, my friend had coerced me to go on plenty of fish. And I got a message from an old friend from junior high and high school. And I honestly thought, this is it. I am finally not going to be single. I'm finally meeting a guy who I used to have a crush on in junior high and things are going to go great. But unfortunately, that relationship turned sour very quickly. And it was almost as if everything that I had thought that I learned, like went out the door. There were so many red flags in that relationship that I completely ignored them because I was 33 years old and I so desperately wanted to be loved. I so desperately wanted to give love and receive love. And I wanted so bad to be in a relationship. And unfortunately, it cost me a lot of money because I spent a lot of money on this guy who didn't make as much money as me. I spent a lot of time and a lot of tears And the relationship ended really bad. He cheated on me. And when I caught him, he laid his hands on me as if I was the one in the wrong. And after that, it really opened my eyes into thinking, man, I have a really bad picker. I continue to date the same type of guy, a guy who's a cheater, a guy who is abusive, both physically and verbally. And I just kind of gave up hope, honestly. I decided in 2013, because we broke up in October of 2013, that I was just going to give up. I went into severe depression and it wasn't because, and this is what everybody needs to be clear on. I wasn't depressed because he cheated on me and he broke up with me. No, I was depressed because I thought that I was finally at the place where I was going to meet the man of my dreams. And this was going to be my forever moment, you know, and And so then I was like, now I'm back to being single and I'm months away from being 34. And, you know, I just was in this bad, bad place. And I lost a lot of trust in people around that time because, yeah, I was the girl that posted on Facebook and tagged him that I caught him cheating. And people on Facebook were like, you know, you shouldn't post this and keep your secret life to yourself. And I'm like, really? Like, everybody needs to know what kind of guy this is so that they won't get cheated on, right? But the only person who was my saving grace that actually reached out to me was Tyler. She's on episode two. She is an amazing and incredible human being. And I love her to death because she really, really helped me get through that breakup. And she really encouraged me. But I took 2014 like off. (laughs) When I say I took it off, I meant I kind of like went into hermit mode. I deleted all of my social media. 
I changed my phone number because after we broke up, he kept harassing me and trying to manipulate me to get back things. Like I bought him expensive gifts and he wanted them back. And I just ended up selling them on Craigslist. (laughs) So I spent that year really working on myself simply because I realized, you know, I have a bad picker and everything that I've been doing up until now has not worked. So I need to start doing something that, you know, is completely different from my norm. And that year I went to church three times a week. I went on Monday for women's ministry. I went on, you know, Thursday for Bible study. I went on Sunday. I was there from like nine o'clock until one o'clock because I was doing children's ministry. And then I was staying for Sunday service. I mean, I was trying so hard to fill the broken cracks of my soul. And I, I also spent a lot of time not drinking developing a method to pay off my debt because I was drowning in debt and that caused me extra anxiety. And the drinking, I stopped because I was already depressed. I didn't need another agent to keep me depressed. And if if you don't know, alcohol is a depressant. And yes, you'll feel great for a couple of minutes and a couple hours, but the next day you feel like death and the anxiety and the depression, it all sets in. So 2014, I was completely sober. And I spent that year listening to church and going to, you know, services. But I also spent that year reading self-help books. Oprah, I watched a lot, a lot of Super Soul Sunday. I love Oprah. She's my queen. But she had so many amazing guests like Jack Canfield, Michael Bernard Beckwith, Gabrielle Bernstein, you know, Les Brown, all these like, you know, amazing people who had incredible stories, who went through such like arduous journeys. I also (laughs) discovered Tony Robbins through Oprah and every guest that she had, I like immediately went on the internet and I was like, who are they? I want to know more. Do they have a book? I read their book. I listened to their podcast. And, you know, I really started to build myself up because even though I was going to church and everything, you know, that's only one hour, you know, well, I was going three times a week. So that's only three hours a week. So in between, there were all these cracks that I needed to fill. So podcasts and audible books and reading books and Oprah on TV really filled those other gaps. And I learned to love myself, like truly love myself. And everything that people had told me in my past of who I was, like crazy and dramatic and, you know, all these negative things, unlovable, unwanted, unworthy, all those things, I learned to retrain my brain. I would spend like days just listening to affirmations and trying to like deprogram my mind because I had had years of not just abusive relationships and negative relationships. I've also had toxic friendships and I also had a toxic mom who continued to pour into my soul that I was this unlovable woman, even though like I was at the time now 34 years old, you would think that, and after many therapy sessions and after so many self-help books, you would think that I was cured but I wasn't because when you're alone in your studio by yourself or your apartment and there's nothing on the radio and there's nothing on the TV and no one's on the phone with you and you're in the silence, those are the times when the darkness starts to come back in. And those words that people have told you in the past start to seep back into your mind 
And, you know, living alone, I had a lot of that, a lot of lonely times. And it was hard for me. It was hard for me to get those negative words out of my mind, you know, and and implement new identities, new great positive words. You know, I am lovable. I am beautiful. I am smart. I am accomplished. Like I just did it over and over and over again. And in 2015, my life completely changed. It was like as if I had this new energy, this new confidence. I went from being a property manager assistant to being the property manager at work. I had moved from my small studio apartment. I paid off all my debt, which was a great defeat. I paid off $18,600 in a year and a half. So in 2015, by June, I was debt free. I had gotten a brand new apartment and I moved out of my studio, moved into a one bedroom apartment with a full kitchen because in my studio, I actually had to cook off of a hot plate. So I finally had an oven. I mean, I, since I paid off all my debt, I decorated this apartment with brand new furniture. You know, I paid everything off in cash. I was like on top of the world. Like I really felt like, wow, I am the best single person ever. And my next step is I'm going to get a Newport Beach condo right on the water. I'm going to live my life as being the best single person because that's what I thought my lot in life was. I thought I was going to be single for the rest of my life. And I had made like amends with like God, the higher source that this was my lot in life. And he put me on this earth and that was my purpose to be single. And so I said, if I'm going to be a single person, then I'm just going to be the best, the best sister, the best friend, the best aunt, the best daughter, the best property manager anyone has ever met. (laughs) I just was going to be the best at what I could be because I thought I would never be the best wife or the best mom. And so I said, those are not in my realm. So I'm just going to be the best at what is in my realm until December 4th, 2015, when my life completely changed in a way that I never thought possible. On December 4th, 2015, I was having the shittiest week. (laughs) And pun is totally (laughs) intended. As you know, I was a property manager of 10 commercial buildings. And that week I had, there was like some sort of crazy flu and some guy had shit his pants on the way to the bathroom. And so I had to get like the cleaning service to come clean the lobby and everything. It was a shitty week, totally and pun totally intended. And on December 4th, 2015, I get a text from Travis and he is a tenant in one of my buildings. So what I knew of Travis was that he was the co-founder of Kajabi. I didn't know what Kajabi did. I had no clue what they did in their office. I did spend an entire year meeting with him once a week because I was his property manager for two years. And on the second year, his business grew exponentially and they went from a small condo to a bigger building. And so during the build out, because I now discovered I'm a codependent person, my boss took advantage of my, yes, I'll do it. Yes, of course, I'll do it attitude and not only made me the property manager, but the project manager of Travis's and his business partner's build out. And so because I was the project manager of his build out, I met with him once a week for an hour and him and his business partner. And I thought he was so funny and so witty and smart, but I never saw him past like him being my tenant at all. I just didn't have any of those feelings because I honestly wasn't looking for anyone. I, like I said, I had resolved myself to being a single person forever. 
And so on December 4th, I get a text from Travis and it says, can I ask you a question? And I'm like, oh, what now? Did he clog a toilet? Like, what did he do? You know? So I go down the hall to his office and I go straight to his desk and I'm like, what? What do you want? Like with a total attitude. And he goes, well, this is, you know, this is kind of personal. And I was like, great. He really did clog a toilet, right? So we go into the hallway and I could remember it like it was yesterday. He's standing like by this marble wall and he says, would you ever consider going out on a date with me? And I was, I was completely disarmed. It was the first time since high school that someone had actually asked me out on a date face to face, you know, because nowadays with technology, you get like a tweet, you get, you know, a DM, you get a personal message on Facebook, you even get an email on LinkedIn, but hardly ever do men actually ask you out on a date face to face. So it completely disarmed me. And I was like, wait, me? Little old me? And he was like, yeah, you. And I, and I was like, well, you know, and I thought about it for a second and I said, no. Now, hear me out, ladies. <laughs> the reason why I said no was because rewind two weeks before this day, I had said to a locksmith who was a vendor that I would go out for a drink with him. And it wasn't just me and him. It was me, him and like five other people. Well, this guy thought that it was a date, even though there was like, six of us there, seven of us there. And he started to stalk me so much so that he was coming to my job and sitting and waiting for me to come to work. He was calling my office like 10 times a day to the point where he was calling to talk to my bosses and saying that I led him on. And my bosses finally called me in and, you know, they got my side of the story and they said, regardless of what is the truth, They said, you need to not go out on a date or drinks or socialize outside of work with any tenant, vendor or broker. And I said, okay, you know, so I had to tell him no. And his face went from a smile to like, oh, (laughs) and I told him it was because of the stalker. And he joked around and said, well, I've let go of my stalking tendencies. I I just call it obsessively shadowing. And I laughed because he really was funny and and he still is very witty. And I said, I'm sorry, but my boss won't let me date anybody that I work for. And so he said in a joking manner that he would buy the building. And I just chuckled and I said, who does this guy think he is? Like, whatever, you know? So I went back to my desk. um, And then the following Friday, December 11th, I was sitting at home on a Friday night watching Grey's Anatomy on my couch with a shredder. (laughs) Because if you listen to my part one and part two, I became a perfectionist and I had files upon files of everything you can imagine. I still had notes from high school. I had some term papers from college. I even had my old McDonald's paychecks. So I had bought this like shredder from Costco and I was spending my you know, Friday night shredding old documents and watching Grey's Anatomy. And I'm eating like on this TV tray and, you know, by myself. And I just thought I should go out with Travis. Like, what can it hurt? First of all, you know, he's really funny. So maybe we could be really great friends. And second, like, you know, Kajabi does some sort of like computer stuff, right? And I actually need a website. So You know, I need a website because at the time I was still trying to make more money. So I had a side hustle of a photo booth for weddings and people would always ask me at events like, well, what's your, you know, you know, business website. And I didn't have a business website for the photo booth. So I thought, you know, if anything, I'll make a friend and we'll be able to have fun dinners. And second, I'll get a free website out of it. Right. 
So I texted him on that day. And it's funny because on his side of the story, that time he was actually on some Tinder date and he was telling the girl that it wasn't going to work out. And then his phone buzzes in his pocket and it was my text like, okay, I'll take you up on that, that date or, you know, that drink or whatever on dinner. And he said he looked at it and he was so excited. And so then he didn't text me back until like the next day. And he said, sure, like, you know, what day works for you? And, you know, we made plans for December 17th. So December 17th, I thought it was a business date. I left right after work. We were supposed to meet at TAPS. I went in, my hair was like a hot mess. It was a Thursday. I was wearing a sweater vest. I didn't touch up my makeup. I was wearing flats. I honestly wasn't thinking anything past like I'm getting dinner with a friend who is like funny and he's going to help me with a website. I didn't think past that. Travis, on the other hand, went home, showered, shaved, put cologne on, put on his best leather jacket and showed up at TAPS. Now I get there, we're sitting at dinner and the very first thing I say is like, oh, well, the reason for this business meeting is because I need a website. And he's like, whoa, 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 like let's have some shots. I heard TAPS makes their own fireball shots. So waiter, can I get two shots? And I was like, this guy, like, I don't want to take shots, but we took a shot and it really calmed my nerves. And then we spoke for five hours. We were at the restaurant for five hours talking about everything and anything under the sun, what we believed in, our goals, our dreams, our childhood, how it was when we were growing up. We couldn't stop talking. So much so that the waiter kept coming by and saying, are you guys going to (laughs) leave? So then after the five hours we left, he gave me a hug goodbye and I drove home like thinking, how did that become a date? Like it went from a business date to a date. I even called my brother on the way home and said, I just had like a good date. And this guy is so not the typical guy that I would ever date. First of all, he's older than me because I've never dated guys that were older than me by, he's older than me by seven years. I always used to date guys my age or younger than me. I know I had some weird whatever, but he was older than me. He was divorced. He had two kids. He was smart. He was successful. I was like, what is this? Like, this is a whole new type of guy. And my brother was like, well, give him a chance. You never know. And You know, I went home and he had already texted me like I had a great time with you. You were awesome. And ever since then, we just talked every single day. We texted throughout the day. And at night when after he put his boys to bed, we would talk on the phone for hours, hours until like two or three in the morning. And you would think we'd run out of things to talk about. But, you know, we've been married now for three years in December and And we still some days have nights where we're up until two, three in the morning talking about everything. But anyways, so our second date was at church. Let me rewind. So before we went out on this date earlier in December, I'd actually made an appointment with therapist because during the time of like hell week at at work, I had this assistant who just wasn't doing her job. And I felt like I was always snapping at her and, and like getting annoyed with her. And that's just not who I am at my core. And so every night I would go home and think of ways to like talk to her the next day and apologize and and try to get her to do her job. And somehow it just wasn't going through. And so I had made an appointment with my therapist so that she can give me pointers on how to be a better boss or how to like not let her trigger me. But instead, when I got there, my therapist told me 
so let's talk about your love life. And I was like, why? Why do you want to talk about my love life? Like I pay you lady. Like we, I want to talk about my assistant like, and how she can't get her job done. And so we spent like an hour talking about my love life. And she said, you know, I have an assignment for you. I want you to date 72 men. And I'm like, 72? Like, that's a lot. 72? That's ridiculous. And the anxiety in me already was building up. And as I left, I was like, I'm not dating 72 men. I need a new therapist. So on our second date, I was telling Travis that story. And he goes, 72? That's crazy. He goes, but you know what's weird is that I was born in 1972 and my son's hockey number is 72. And just recently I wrote a list. Well, my friend, a friend of his had told him to write a list, a decision making, a decision making funnel list of what he is looking for in his future wife. And he wrote 72 items. And I was like, shut up. So here we are on our second date and we're both like, this is like weird, right? And we just continued to see each other like the rest of the month, January, 2016, like the first week he wanted me to meet his parents. I know we had only been dating for like three weeks, but it just felt so intense. And he wanted me to meet his parents and he had dated this other girl and his parents did not like her. So This time around, his parents were like, we want to meet everybody that you consider dating. And so I met his parents. His parents loved me. January 26th was my birthday. And he booked us this beautiful, like, suite at the Surf and Sand Hotel, like overlooking the ocean at sunset. And, you know, we just had an amazing evening for my birthday. Like, I really felt connected to him. Like, I just had never felt this kind of love with somebody. And I think that was the first time I told him that I loved him. (laughs) And he was kind of like weirded out because he wanted to be the first one to tell me. And I had these intense feelings. I mean, it had only been a month and I was like feeling like so intense over him. And even my sister was like telling me, you guys are moving too fast. You're, you're not doing it right. And I'm like, we're doing what right? Like, she's like, you're not following the book. And I'm like, what book? Is there a book of rules that I'm supposed to be following? Our relationship was very, very intense. And the first time we kissed, it was like, it was like electric. That's the only way that I can really describe it. We kissed on Christmas day, our very first kiss. And The way he kissed me, it was just like my whole body shaked. And I remember getting off the couch and like standing up and saying, what was that? Like, I had never felt that electricity run through my entire body the way I did when we first kissed. And our relationship just continued to grow. And then in April, he bought a house with the intention of like one day us living there. And then April 24th, he booked us a flight to Kauai. We were supposed to stay at this one hotel and he was really nervous. And I was just like, really, I couldn't figure it out. And I thought maybe it's just like, you know, it was the first time we were going to travel together on a plane. And so maybe he was just trying to make sure everything was going right. And, and so he was really nervous. And so I didn't understand what was going on, even though I kind of had an idea. But on April 24th, he went on one knee and he proposed to me. And it was so cute because he like turned on our favorite song in his shirt pocket (laughs) and it was playing his iPhone was playing in his shirt pocket as he got down on one knee and he asked me to be his wife and it was just magical at that moment I thought wow like somebody really does love all my broken pieces and somebody really does see me for me and it was incredible it really was and 
I'm sorry, guys, I need to get (laughs) myself in order here. But it really was like a special moment, a really special moment. And, and then fast forward, December 8th, 2016, we went to Hawaii again, because my friend Charlene wanted us to go for her birthday. And she was supposed to go and meet some guy there or whatever. But turns out the guy never showed up. So we were kind of like her friends there. She was our third wheel, but we were actually her third wheel, but the guy never showed up. And it was it was a great trip because I got to tell Charlene, like, this is what you should look for in a man. You know, this guy, yes, obviously he didn't show up. He's telling you all these things. He's not a good guy. And I really gave her like some good advice and, you know, cut to today, she's getting married next year. So I guess my advice work. (laughs) But anyways, on our flight home from this December trip at the end of 2016, Travis was having a panic attack in the airplane. And I was like, oh, calm down. It's going to be fine, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, once he calmed down, he was like, I was panicking because if something happens to me, you get nothing. So by this time, I had already quit my job because my boss obviously wasn't going to allow me to date my tenant. So I had no job and I was basically being supported by him. And we had this new house, but the house was under his name, you know, and he was he was freaking out because he's like, if I die, my ex-wife gets everything. And I don't want that. He's like, I love you and I, I want you to be okay and safe. And so when we arrived home, he quickly got on his laptop, looked for a chapel, made an appointment for December 17th, 2016, a year from the day we went on our first date. And me and him got dressed up on that day. It was just the two of us. And we drove to a chapel in Long Beach and we got married. Now, here's the sweetest thing is that on the way to Long Beach, we live in Tribuco Canyon. So there's like this long toll road and there's hardly anything out there. It's nothing but beautiful mountains and sky. And on the way there, we saw a shooting star. And my husband now like reached at, reached over and grabbed my hand and squeezed it. And he looked over at me with tears in his eyes and he goes, I can't believe I just saw a shooting star. He's like, you don't even understand. And I'm like, what? Well, when he was married for 15 years, he would always leave the house. He would always go for long drives because they were constantly fighting. They were always in turmoil. It just always seemed chaotic or that's what he tells me. And when they would fight a lot, he would leave because he's not a very confrontational person. He really isn't to this day. He doesn't like chaos. And so he would leave. And when he would leave, he would ask God, show me that I should stay in this marriage because it's just impossible. Like it's just, we're hurting each other. It's just not good for the kids. And he would ask God, if this is my wife, show me a shooting star. If this is who I'm supposed to be with, because he did do a lot of work to try to stay in that marriage. He went seven years to so many different counselors and read so many books on how to like save his marriage. He tried his hardest for seven years of the 15 years to try to save that marriage. And so he was always praying, God, God, show me, show me that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is where I'm supposed to be. Show me a shooting star. And he never saw a shooting star. And now on our way to the chapel, God showed him a shooting star that I was his wife. And so it was just a beautiful evening. It was awesome. (laughs) 
And then March 31st of 2017 was when we had our huge wedding. And for those of you who are listening and actually attended my wedding, I mean, you can agree that it was truly, truly magical. It was everything that I had ever imagined and pinned on my Pinterest board for years. Just my dress was this beautiful poofy dress and it was in this incredible place where there was a lake and I got pulled down the aisle through a horse-drawn carriage, not the aisle, but like around the (laughs) event place. I was, you know, on a horse-drawn carriage and it was just truly magical. I can't even explain how beautiful my wedding was. It was just like out of a Pinterest catalog. And even after my wedding day, I woke up the next day like in tears because I felt like this, this is what heaven is like. You know, my wedding was full of all my friends and family and everybody who supported me and loved me and not just my friends and family, but Travis's friends and family. And And we were all like in a great, you know, eating food and drinking and dancing. And it just felt like this is what heaven is going to be like, you know, with everybody that I love and care about and just enjoying life, you know. So, you know, now we've been married three years, December 17th. We're coming up on three years. My husband and I have been through some difficult times. Just there's so many things I can't even say, but have endured them together. He's my best friend. I love him so much. And I know that he loves me too. I mean, the first year of my marriage, it was really hard for me. It was really hard for me to accept his love. For somebody who's never been shown love, like I tried to self-sabotage. I can't even tell you how many times. It's sad for me to tell you this, but I took my ring off a lot of times and tried to give it back because I just couldn't, I couldn't really soak in his love. It was, it was foreign to me for someone to love me as much as my husband loved me. And I tried to run away many, many times, but my husband, every time I tried to run away, he held me tighter and tighter and You know, I had to go to therapy once a week so that I can not only accept his love, but also accept him taking care of me. That was another factor for me. It was really hard for me to allow someone to financially take care of me because ever since I was 14 years old, I had this weird relationship with money and I never wanted to be broke. So I always wanted to be in control. So that was another thing that I needed help with. You know, it's not easy. I'm not going to say that marriage is like 100% all the time a fairy tale. Yes, the beginning of my love story was a fairy tale. And until my wedding day, it was everything you could ever imagine. You know, beautiful trips, beautiful gifts, lovely text messages, long talks, long walks, you know, great sex, you, you name it. But once you get married, things are not exactly the way they are when you're being courted. It's different. You are now living together 24-7. There are things that irritate you about each other. You have to be patient with one another. You have to forgive and let go. You need to not take score. You need to be willing to love them even when they're being cranky or even on their darkest day. You need to love them no matter what. It really does teach you how to have unconditional love for your partner and to be there when they're down to build them up. And that's where like, I feel like Travis and I have such an incredible relationship because, you know, he understands my anxiety and my depression and my sadness and my sorrow and my crazy. And I understand the same in him. 
and I can have empathy for him as just as much as he can have empathy for me. And, you know, we are just like perfect for each other. And I love that, you know, not only that he spoils me and takes me to all these wonderful places that have been on my vision board for years. Like last year, he took me to Bora Bora. And, you know, we recently went to Tahiti and Fiji and New York and Seattle. And, you know, he makes experiences for us, not just for us, but for his children too. We went to Mammoth one year with the boys and, you know, he does his best to really like show me the world, but also it's in the little things like sending me a text message in the middle of the day. Like, I love you and I'm so blessed to have you as my wife. Or when I wake up in the morning and I look like death hit me and he's like, you're so beautiful. Or when he reaches over in the car and he just holds my hand and he like turns and looks at me and like blows me a little like kiss, you know, or when we like find something super funny and we're both laughing so hysterically and and just like we're holding our bellies and like snot is coming out of our nose, like It's just so many different moments, you know, and then he has these two incredible boys from previous marriage, Kyle and Connor. And, you know, being a stepmom is not easy. It's so not easy. But I tried my hardest to love those boys as much as I could possibly be allowed to love them, because obviously they're going to have their own boundaries. They have their own mom that they love and respect. And I obviously don't want to cross that boundary. But, you know, I just want to show them that I'm not trying to replace their mom, that I'm, I'm just trying to be, you know there for them, however way they will allow me to be there for them. And they really are good kids. Like Kyle is now 16. I met him when he was 13. He loves YouTube videos. And I love when he like shares, you know, his passion with us and he'll show us like, oh, look at my new YouTube video or look at my new music video. Connor, he's a hockey player. He's 12 and he's just like his dad. And he's so sweet and so kind and so funny. He's so funny. He has got all these funny dad jokes. And it's funny coming from a 12 year old. And he's such an amazing hockey player. And I go to all of his games and all of his school plays because I just, I want to be there for them. You know, I want, I want to be there for them the way I wish my mom was there for me. But anyways, I want to get past this because I don't want to cry. But, you know, I just want to tell all of you who are out there and are still single that it is possible that there are really good guys out there that haven't been tainted by the world. There are good guys out there that have been raised right. There are good guys out there that want to love you and treat you like the queen that you are. I want you to realize that you have to really believe that he's out there. You have to change your old ways of picking men, which is what I had to do. I had to like spend a year learning to love myself in order to put up the boundaries to never allow a man to treat me the way I allowed it in the past. You have to truly like put in the work, you know, really learn what you want. And, you know, Brooke just talked in a couple episodes back how she wrote down specifically what she wanted in a guy. You have to be specific. Now, when I was going through that entire year of like self-help books, I read the book, The Secret again. I think I told you guys this story when I was Ubering on a weekend. There was this lady that told me that I was too beautiful (laughs) to be Ubering on the weekend and I should listen to the book, The Secret and, and look for my, you know, imagine my future husband. And I thought it was pretty funny because to say that you're too beautiful to be single is pretty stupid. There's a lot of beautiful women out there that are single. So that just doesn't mean anything. 
But I did listen to her. I went home, I re-listened to The Secret, and I acted as if I would spend my time alone as I was washing the dishes and I would pretend he was washing the dishes right next to me and I would have imaginary conversations with my fake future husband. At night, I would make room on my bed like this is where my husband would sleep and I would pretend like we would have pillow talk. And when I would drive my car, I would like talk to the empty seat and be like, oh, ha ha, wasn't your day great? Like, like I acted as if I had my husband. And then at night I would pray, you know, God, I just want him to be as funny you know, as Greg Laurie. And if anybody knows who Greg Laurie is, he's the pastor of Harvest. He has all these funny dad jokes. <laughs> so I, I was like, he needs to be as funny as Greg Laurie. And Travis has a ton of dad jokes and he's so funny and he's so witty. I need him to love God as much as I do or more. I want him to make as much money as me or more because I used to date guys who made less money than me. And it used to hurt their ego that I was more financially savvy than they were. And I would ask that, you know, he was just like, I would just go on over and over all these different things that he was humble, that he was empathetic, that he was loving, that he was kind, that, you know, all these different attributes that I wanted, you know, in my future husband, I did all the work. I made sure that I was specific and I was clear in what I wanted in my future husband. And I just want you guys to really, really know that they, no matter what age you are, because I didn't get married till I was 37. So no matter what age you are, whatever time frame you are in your life right now, people can still find love in their late 30s, in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s, you know, even in their 80s and 90s, there is someone for you. We were not meant to be on this world to be single. Ladies, I had it completely wrong. My lot in life was not to be single. We were meant to have a partner. We were meant to be loved so that we can learn how to love, truly love others. Because Travis has really taught me that, how to love like unconditionally. But that is my love story. My husband and I will celebrate our three-year anniversary this December 17th. And I just can't even tell you that I am very, very blessed and I'm very, very thankful to be able to share this story with you because if you would have talked to Paola 2013, I would have been like, all guys suck. All guys are cheaters. There are no good guys out there. So anyways, I hope that gives you some hope and some inspiration. Tune in next week. Jenny talks all about her love story. It's quite an adventure for her. So there is no straight line in love. So it would be cool for you to hear her story. Um, thank you guys again for listening to Journey of a Fearless Female. I'm your host, Paola Rosser. Please subscribe, rate, and share this episode with other fearless females. There's only 22% women in the podcast industry. Let our women get more airtime. Let our female voices be heard. So please, please share this episode. Also, if you haven't got your tickets yet, we are doing a Fearless Female Mastermind. It's going to be a small, intimate group of women where we just empower, inspire, and help one another to level up in life. Um, it's in Palm Springs, November 15th through the 17th. You can go to our website, fearlessfemale.com, hit the events tab, 
To get your tickets today, prices will go up in November. So you have a couple weeks to get your tickets today. And then also you can find us on Instagram at Fearless Female Podcast. You can find my personal page at Paola Rosser. You can join the Fearless Female group on Facebook. It's called the Fearless Female Movement. And that's about it. All right, ladies, until next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.